Hey church, it's Jonathan Brocious. Let's pray together today. Now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be encouraged by hearing news about you. For there is no one here like him who will readily demonstrate his deep concern for you. Others are busy with their own concerns, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know his qualifications that, like a son working with his father, he served with me in advancing the gospel. So I hope to send him as soon as I know more about my situation, though I am confident in the Lord that I too will be coming to see you soon. Philippians 2, 19-24 The title of this post and podcast pretty much says it all. I'm way better than most seven-year-olds at checkers. Our church has a little table in the lobby where kids can play checkers or build with Legos, and every once in a while, one of the children of our church will work up the nerve to ask me to play checkers with them, and I try to say yes as often as I can. I think I'm trying to show love to these kids and tell them that they are important, and that's why I want to play checkers with them. At least, that's how it starts. But then I sit down at the table and Puzzle Brocious takes over. Puzzle Brocious is a part of my personality that I inherited from my father. I thought all families did this, but then I grew up and realized that it, uh, it's just a me and dad thing. See, my dad is brilliant. His mind is like a supercomputer clicking through logic and math faster than a grandmother's knitting needles. And his job as a computer programmer isn't challenging enough for him, so he finds other ways to solve puzzles. I remember playing with books of logic puzzles as a kid. Most other people don't even know what they are, but they were laying around my house. They were rated in difficulty from one to five stars. I would work through them as a kid, and I would start to struggle at the three-star puzzles, but Dad would flip straight to the hardest puzzle and solve it in minutes. He once invested in a Sudoku book for geniuses. These weren't your average Sudoku puzzles that you'd find in a newspaper. These required a notebook and algorithms to solve. And I always wanted to be like my dad. I'd constantly challenge him with games like Checkers, Othello, Stratego, or anything brainy. If there was dice or a chance element in the game, I might have a chance to win. But if it was based on logic, <laughs> Dad would win 99% of the time. And now I do it to all the kids at the church and my own kids too. It's not that I'm overly competitive. I mean, after all, what do I have to prove by beating a seven-year-old? It's not a desire to win that drives me to play aggressively. Instead, I can't help but see the checkerboard as a puzzle, and I see the solutions, and I can't not play the best move. I will even enter a game saying to myself, let the kid win, it's not important, and then I see a move, a great one, and then I take it before I remember what I'm doing, I can't not solve the puzzle. And it's really not a good thing. Too many times I've seen a kid walk away from the checkerboard with a deflated look on their face. They were so excited to play with me and possibly beat me, but after I smoked them in the game, they just walk away, not having had any fun at all. Here's what I wish I could remember when I sit down to play games with children. The point of the game is not to win or even solve the puzzle. The point is to build a relationship with that child. That's an idea I can't seem to grasp or remember. The game is simply a way to spend time together, a tool to help launch conversations and relationships. In Philippians 2, 
Paul starts discussing some logistical details with the Philippian church. He wants to send Timothy to check in on them. As he is discussing Timothy, he makes a side comment about some other people. Others are busy with their own concerns, not those of Jesus Christ. This comment stands out to me. The first time I read it, I picture a completely self-centered person. The picture that comes to mind is Scrooge, only thinking about himself and his desires. But I don't think that's right. I think the more appropriate picture is Jonathan Brocious at a checkerboard. I sit down at the checkerboard with good motives. But then, before I can blink an eye, I'm completely absorbed with the need to solve the puzzle as efficiently as possible. It's the same with following Christ. We start out with great intentions and zeal. We want to follow him with our whole heart and mind and strength. We are eager to please God. But then a bunch of other things come up. Schedules, work, sports, marriage, kids, health, hobbies, etc. These things are essential parts of our lives. They absorb us, not just our time, but also our mental energy. We spend huge amounts of time and thought and money to maintain these things. If we have a problem in one of these areas, we actively swing into troubleshooting mode, trying to protect the things that are most cherished. But in the end, we forget something crucial. We forget that all of these things are simply a tool for us to glorify God and advance the gospel. Your marriage and kids exist simply so that God can be glorified. Your health, or lack thereof, is a way in which God will receive glory and advance his agenda. Your job and career path's primary purpose is to point people to Jesus. Just like Jonathan at a checkerboard, we get absorbed in these things and make them the end goal, and they're not. They're just a tool in our relationship with our God. The thing that made Timothy stand out to Paul was that he never lost track of his true goal. Others were absorbed in their own concerns, but Timothy always kept his perspective. He didn't go off course. He always kept pushing forward with his eye on the true prize, Jesus Christ. Everything in his life was oriented around the advancement of the gospel. I think it's time for us to push back from the checkerboard. It's time to look at all the things that absorb our time and thought and energy and money, and it's time to ask some hard questions about them. What purpose do they serve in our lives? Why are we participating in them? Do they help to advance the gospel? Let's Dear Father, I ask for clarity as I look at the things that absorb my time. Give me courage and honesty so that I can make my life line up with the ultimate goal, which is the advancement of the gospel. Make me like Timothy, where your work is my only aim. Purify me and do the same for the people in my church. Make us a body that is in tune with its head. Here's a few things as we close out today. First, make a list of the things that absorb your time in a day. What are they? And why do you devote so much time to them? And lastly, and most importantly, does this list line up with your goals for your life? Does this list reflect a life dedicated to Jesus? Thanks for joining me. We'll see you next time as we pray together.